It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Welcome to the Know-It-All Podcast. Champ Chesterfield and Achilles Rain here to do part two of our NBA draft coverage. Are you ready to get into the draft? Yes, I am here to be a burden on your cart. Carry me, <laughs> sir. Carry me. Well, I lost my uh, draft sheet that I worked on for about a week, so uh, I think you're the one carrying today. Uh I wanted to get into a little bit of the draft news that's come out, uh, I guess, this last week. Uh, LaMelo Ball has shot up the uh, draft charge. He's now a 2-1 to favorite. He's had two private workouts with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know we were uh, split on what we thought of him a little bit uh, last week. Um, if indeed he does go number one to the Timberwolves, and it's not like a smoke screen to try to trade him. Fit, you like the move going number one, or you questioning it? I, I had him pretty high in my rankings compared to where you had him. I, I don't like him at number one personally. I just feel like there's a, too many question marks there. But, I mean, you know, the team is going to go based off whoever they think they're going to get the most out of especially right now. Um, even if they think he's a good fit, you know, good luck to them. But I, I don't see, I don't like it with him going first. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of this. It just doesn't seem like a very good fit uh, with D'Angelo Russell and um, Carl Anthony Towns. Defensively, uh, this would be honestly the biggest train wreck I think I will probably ever watch uh, on a defensive NBA basketball court with those three on there. Unless uh, LaMelo Ball somehow becomes a defensive stopper, which literally he's been a turnstile uh, ever since, you know, high school. He just doesn't play defense. Carl Anthony Towns can play defense, but chooses not to. And uh, Russell has never been a defensive stopper. I think you probably know that from your... Uh, watching him in the Lakers days. So uh, just don't quite understand the move there, other than uh, they win the sort of marketing battle, I guess. Uh, you got another name. You can sell uh, a lot of things to the marquee, but uh, don't know if that's quite a good team fit. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I feel like they probably need a, a defensive anchor more than they do a potential marketable player. Uh, so I don't – necessarily like it for them but if you know seems like the consensus uh, is just that he's gonna go one so yeah uh the other thing i i don't remember if we touched on it uh their first round pick next year is going to the warriors in that andrew wiggins trade which uh, uh that's probably a different show on why you trade for d'angelo russell and get a first round pick when you're getting off the andrew wiggins We'll do that some other time, probably uh, as to who the hell is running the Timberwolves. But uh, I don't think even if you select LaMelo, that puts you outside the playoffs, which then makes that first round pick going to the Warriors uh, really even more valuable. And uh, 
gives a team that's a title contender even more sort of leverage and room to uh, deal either their pick this year or that pick that they have coming next year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to, to think that you could be losing value by losing now as opposed to gaining you know, a higher draft pick for yourself. You're gaining a higher pick for someone else uh, and still not getting much out of – this is making you look like a bad GM. Uh, would you put the Timberwolves as a playoff team? Uh, really, if you – any of these guys, Edwards, Ball, Wiseman – or West too deep and they have no chance. I mean, I, I still don't think that they're necessarily a contender. Uh, I mean, they're drafting one overall for a reason. Um, but I, I mean, you know, they're, they're not a horrible team. There's teams that are, they're a lot worse off than they are. Uh, but you need to get a defensive anchor. You've got, you know, you've got some, some money invested in other players, um, and I think you try to make your situation more attractive to uh, maybe possibly attract a bigger star, someone who is definitely going to get you over that hump and get you uh, into being a contender. All right. So we'll move on from that. Uh, uh, I think we both are probably a little puzzled at why Minnesota would take ball uh, number one overall, but uh, you certainly have him higher on your ranking. So I guess you're probably a little more settled on it than, I would be, but the other rumor coming out was uh, the Knicks are trying to trade up uh, at least, uh, I've heard, to the one spot if they can get a deal done or uh, one of the top uh, three spots to uh, take James Wiseman. Now, uh, the Knicks' uh, front office has been pretty much a, I don't know, what's the word, shit show for 20 years, 30 years, for a very long time. Uh I sort of like this move if they can get it done and uh, put Wiseman in there and then uh, try to pull one of these point guards. They've also been rumored into uh, Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul. Now, uh, that's sort of a win-now type maneuver, but uh, you put Wiseman in there and uh, then sort of a win-now type move. Uh, The East is so bad in the lower half. I think if you add uh, Westbrook or Paul, you at least put yourself in playoff contention. Uh, I don't know how much that stunts... Uh, rebuilding, but uh, I'd like the move to go after Wiseman there. Yeah, I think we both talked about it last week, uh, how much we actually like Wiseman. Uh, I think that he's probably the most uh, NBA-ready safety pick you can get uh, that's still a top prospect. Um, there's a lot of talented guys here, but all of them have you know some flaws that I, I feel like you're probably getting closer to the complete package right now with uh, – with Wiseman. Yeah. Uh, it's not totally draft related, but uh, Nick's going after one of those uh, high priced uh, older point guards. Would you like that move or would you like to sort of uh, see him uh, stay in there and uh, just stick to rebuilding with the young kids? Barrett, uh, I don't really know where Knox sits, but uh, uh, Wiseman, Barrett, and, uh, you know, whatever else they can find out there. Or, sell it off and try to get one of these uh, veteran point guards that'll lead you to wins and probably a playoff spot in the East. I mean, you know, everyone wants to get to the playoffs. The ultimate goal is to win a championship. The question is, you know, how much are you sacrificing of your future by, you know, paying someone else now and getting a few more wins and, you know, possibly getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, I I just think, you know, where you sit at now, you're probably best to just build and build from within. Yeah, I, I think that would be the uh, sort of best maneuver. But uh, who knows, playoff-wise. Um, I wanted to touch on a, probably a handful of other teams that were sitting around uh, in the top area of the draft and uh, where they go and what they do. Um, the Pistons. I just, I don't know what to make of this team. They have no real talent. They sit at number seven, so not really a great slot um, draft-wise. But uh, in this draft where there's so many, uh, I don't know what, I'd say more role players to uh, low-level all-stars than uh, I'd say franchise players, 
if you're Detroit here, do you try to move up into the top and get maybe one of those guys who might be at least a elite level all star, or do you just sort of add some more role players and uh, eat it next year and hope you uh, hit a higher draft spot next year? I don't know. They're in a very peculiar situation. We talked about it uh, in the last show uh, when we talked draft uh, that you know them losing uh, Andre Dr- uh, Drummond and Reg Jackson. Uh, it's it's a weird situation because now you have more holes you need to plug. You know, if you would have kept those two guys going into the offseason, you know, th- there's not a lot you have to do. You have some pieces in place to be, uh, you know, competitive. But losing those two guys, I think, just created too many holes. I think at this point, you probably try to shop your your only asset left, which is, you know, shockingly, Blake Griffin. And uh, you just kind of go into complete rebuild mode. Um, they need to start building a solid foundation, kind of start from scratch, I think. That's what they should be focused on. Yeah, I just uh, – this roster is so poor. And, uh, I mean, Blake Griffin, uh, he's probably a minor asset. Uh, his contract's only a two more years, so uh, – that's a bonus, and you take away this year. That's essentially a expiring deal. But uh, I don't know where his value really sits. Uh, I mean, a healthy Blake uh, you saw two years ago dragged that uh, crappy Detroit roster into the playoffs before his knees gave out. But um, I just don't know where Blake sits health-wise. Um, and if he's capable of playing like a four, a four full 82-game season, anymore I'll but a, i'll take a four game season <laughs> uh, yeah i think if you had a four game season you might really have to go after a uh, blake there but uh <laughs> i think the problem is it's an 82 game season well i guess 72 games this year but uh where is uh i think if you could unload blake to someone say like a golden state now you know golden state salary cap issues and blake's salary i think that would like make them pay like 800 million dollars but um somewhere there where he could go and play limited minutes and uh, sort of burst energy and then you know really push it in the playoffs would be uh, a good situation for him but uh, i don't know how many of those situations exist and uh really i just don't know what other if any assets Detroit has. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a a lot of wheeling and dealing from that general manager and staff to make something happen. Cause like you said, there aren't, aren't really a lot of suitors, especially with the salary situation. But I think that your best move is to, like I said, shop him, you know, maybe get a, you know, a, a potential pick. Maybe you get a, uh, a prospect, you know, um, and then you use your picks and try to, you know, draft some solid guys, some some uh, foundation-type players. Now, that uh, I really liked that uh, guy they took last year. Uh, I, I don't know if I can pronounce it, but Siku Dumbuye. I... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like I did on the previous show. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm going with Siku Dumbuye. But uh, energy guy, uh, real good, uh, I would say, role player energy, probably, a, I, you know, Montez Harrell-Light, uh, maybe some room for improvement there. But, um, you know, it's not somebody you could build your team around. It's a piece. And uh, I guess that's sort of what you're going to have to do if you're Detroit, just, you know, build role play piece here, role play piece here, and then hope at some point the lottery balls, uh, you know, fall your way to where you get one of those real franchise guys, though I, I don't know if I see that in this draft. I mean, I don't see a franchise-type player, but I see a lot of foundation-type players. Uh, I, you know me, I like the big men when it comes to uh, the draft, especially in the early picks. You know, out of uh, USC, we talked about him a little bit on the last show, the center out of USC, Okongwu. I feel like he's one of those type of uh, foundation type players. Uh, some, someone you can, you know, s- sit in the center to anchor down that that defense and, you know, just be a, a solid player while you continue to build. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of those big guys, um, moving to Boston, which uh, sits just outside the lottery, uh, you know, with Memphis's uh, 
fourteenth pick. Um, they need a big guy. I don't know if your USC guy is going to make it there, but there are a handful of other bigs in this draft. Uh, and uh, with the situation where Gordon Haywood, I would say, sort of is looking to get out and maybe a little bit of an extension on that contract, you got a little bit of a trade piece there if you can get him. But uh, where are you looking at uh, Boston Celtics-wise? See, I think the I think the Celtics are a solid team. Uh, they ran into some issues this last season, uh, but uh, overall, I think they're they're a pretty good team. They've got some good uh, pieces in place with Walker and Hayward. Uh, you know, they've they've got some good um, complementary players. Also, I feel like they're in a good position in this draft to pick up someone big to help them uh, defensively, mostly. Uh, maybe a guy. Uh, like that guy out of Memphis, uh, what's his name? Precious. Precious uh, Achunwa. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that he'd probably be like a, a nice attractive pick at that spot if he's there. Uh, I don't know if he'll make it to the 14th pick, but, you know, he, he seems like a, a good piece that they could add to that roster to help them now. So, you know, someone that would add some depth to to that four spot. Yeah, I I think they sit in a really weird uh, sort of place where uh, y- you have your USC big guy, Okuwangu, um, we're struggling with the African names <laughs> today, <laughs> but uh, sort of the, I mean, they don't need offense with Brown and Tatum and Walker and, uh, you know, give or take if Haywood's still there, but they have plenty of offense. They need that defensive big to eat up the middle, and I don't know if Okuwangu will be there. I'm sure Wiseman won't be there, and then you get into the sort of next three, which, the next uh, tier. You, you know, though I have Toppin higher, you know, but you wouldn't draft Toppin to be your defensive stalwart. You wouldn't draft, a, say, a Maryland and uh, Jalen Smith to also be your defensive stalwart. I mean, he's a pick-and-pop big. And then uh, you got the weird guy who we should probably touch on a little bit here. Uh, this, we're going from African to Serbian, so it's possibly I'm even <laughs> worse uh, name-wise the Alexis Pokuviska. I think that's Pokus- about Pokusevsky. Pokusevsky? Yeah. All right. Good work. Where did you learn your Serbian? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I spent a little time <laughs> out with the Serbs. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I even I butchered it, but that's just how I pronounce it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go with your pronunciation. Um, Interesting prospect, uh, Pokusevsky. Pokusevsky. Um, Pokusevsky. <laughs> I'm not going to get that. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I'm sure it'll all work out. All right. But uh, 7-1, super athletic, but uh, possibly thinner than you, um, which is a bit of a issue if you're seven foot one. But uh, super athletic. Uh, he did uh, have some blocks, but uh, he was playing in a... I don't know if you watched any highlights on him, but he was playing in the Greek B League, which essentially might be middle school basketball level. Um, so it's really hard to get um, a read on what he is. And I don't know if he's that kind of uh, intimidating presence in the middle but a highly skilled athletic big dude. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Pokaslevsky? You know, well, when I was watching him, I didn't, and I'm not trying to completely, you know, compare him to him. I don't think that he's like a mirror image of him or anything, but just watching him play reminded me a little bit of uh, Kirilenko. Um, just a long, lean guy who's uh, not really physically imposing, but uh you know, he, he doesn't really have the best ability to finish at the rim, uh, especially against contact, you know, and a lot of it has to do with his size. But adding size to a frame like that, I don't know if it's even a good idea because, you know, he, he can run the floor really well. Uh, he's pretty fast. Uh, you know, he's he's an okay finisher. He just has trouble finishing, you know, in traffic. Um, and he can rebound the, the ball pretty well because of his length, uh, especially on defense. So, I mean, I like him, but there are some some things that eh, kind of, you know, just 
pull me away a little bit. Yeah, it, it's he's scary. I mean, it's scary both at how athletic he is for his size, but it's scary that he is that small. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know where you'd position him. I don't think you could take him right now and be like, here, you're the center of our team. He would get bulldozed by, you know, literally every NBA player. But uh, I don't know if he can guard, I mean, essentially – from what I see, essentially a small forward sitting in a seven foot, you know, one frame. And I don't know if he has that type of athleticism where he could, you know, guard small forwards. Maybe he could hang with power forwards. But once again, then you start getting into the uh, sort of size issue there. Yeah, I mean, just just try to envision this, him going one-on-one with Kawhi. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be rude or anything. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You know, the guy's talented, but you know, it does, at least in my mind, it doesn't end well for him. Um, but like I said, he's, he's a guy that does have a lot of perks. You know, he's got some international experience. He has played on the national team. Uh, he played in the Euroleague and he's got a good vision for a guy, his size, you know, which means he can kind of, uh, you know, get it to the open guy, especially when he gets double teamed. But there's a lot of things that you have to work on with him, and I don't know. Well, I think if he made it to, I don't know, 17 and lower, I'd be really interested in taking him as a sort of project. I don't know, you know, if I could make myself take him probably 13 and lower. I don't know if I could convince myself that it would be worth the sort of value to risk asset wise of taking someone now you know you say that and uh essentially this guy was playing in the exact same you know b-level greek league that Giannis was playing in now not to compare him to Giannis, but it is very you know those videos are very similar if you go watch Giannis, he's not as you know explosive but he's a tall athletic dude lanky who playing in a low level league so it's really hard to sort of get a feel of how good he is, but uh, you could draft this guy and then all of a sudden you could be like, oh, this guy really is a top-level player. If we can put a little bit of mass on his frame, you know, year by year, whereas, you know, it's the same thing where Giannis, you know, he was rail thin coming in, and then, you know, year by year, you sort of fill him out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's probably the best way you want to build his, build up his uh, his NBA physique, you know, because you don't want to put on too much too early on. It's going to slow down his uh, his speed and his and his his movement, which is probably one of his strong suits right now. Where would you look to uh, take uh, Alexi, Alex G, I mean, Alex? I <laughs> we'll just call him Alex for now. <laughs> Not you, Alex. Alex. <laughs> the other Alex. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, it's I, – I, I, I wouldn't mind him this, you know, like midway through the first uh, first round. I think he's value at that at that position. I, I don't think – honestly, I don't think he goes past the, the uh, 20th pick, but that's just my thinking. Yeah. Uh, I'll touch on uh, Precious to Chumwa. He was in my sort of um, – list of uh, guys I really like who I think could be a productive NBA player. Now, uh, he had to move over to center for Memphis, which um, is a was uh, when Wiseman got cut. And uh, he sort of thrived there as a small ball uh, center. But I, I sort of look at him as a, you know, power forward uh, tweener. But uh, I like his energy. I like his effort. I don't know if he sort of is a star, but I think he could be a, you know, energy big off the bench, uh, an energy rebounder. Uh, I I don't know if that scoring uh, sort of ever comes along, except for like energy buckets, you know, uh, Brian Grant style. But I, I do think he could be a pretty valuable uh, sort of energy level big. Uh, what did you think of Precious? I mean, I like him, especially, you know, when it comes to a team like the Celtics that are uh, basically, you know, a player away from just being right back in, the, in into the uh, the thick of things. 
you know, he's like you said, he's not going to come out and put a big point, to th- but that's not what you're getting him for. You're getting him to add some death uh, to that big position. Uh, but I would definitely keep him at the four. Uh, he's, you know, he's going to give you rebounding. He's going to give you rim protection. You know, he's not going to come out and uh, put up the best shots or even take that many shots. He's not going to come out and, you know, uh, throw passes and get assists all over the place. That's not his game, but you know, he's still valuable and he can bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Uh, I, I, if I was one of those sort of, um, teams that was in the, uh, sort of middle tier, I would look at him hard. Cause I, I think he's a player who can, uh, fit on your team and, uh, really produce. Now he's not going to produce, you know, big numbers and he's not going to carry you to wins, but I think he's just a uh, good player to have on your roster. And I think he's, you know, one of those guys who uh, just stays in the league for a very long time. Now uh, I didn't tell you to look at him, but the other one I was sort of looking at the Celtics and it might be a little bit of a reach was uh, Isaiah Stewart, the Washington freshman now he's got about the uh, a little bit of the same build as a uh, precious Achunwa, but um, he was he's a little bit better defensively, uh, sort of shot blocking and rebounding wise. Now, um, the problem with that is uh, I don't know if it'd be too much of a reach at fourteen to grab somebody like that, but uh, I really liked his um, sort of workmanlike uh, defensive. Uh, way to position himself defensively. And uh, I thought he'd be a nice NBA player, but he's a little undersized. But uh, I do like his effort. He's actually a little bit like uh, Grant Williams on the Celtics that they already have. But uh, do you know anything about uh, Isaiah Stewart? Uh, No, I mean, I I looked into him a little bit, but uh, I don't, I I didn't have him like in my top 15. So I didn't really... uh, take too many notes on him, but I see where you're coming from. I, I still think that, you know, they need, you know, more of a, a, a guy who's going to come in and protect the rim, uh, especially with the tool, with the weapons that they already have. I think that uh, they'd be better suited to, to go after uh, a guy like uh, uh, a Chawa. A Chunwa. See, I, I got should. that one. <laughs> I was going to call him Precious. I just feel bad calling him Precious because I think about the movie. Yes, I know. I, I think he's okay with it. He's probably heard all the jokes his whole life. He's also quite large, so people probably don't pick on him too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was walking around with his frame, you know, let people call me whatever they want to call me, see how much they enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, Jalen Smith, I was looking at uh, for the Celtics. The From problem Maryland? there is... I don't know if defensively he's quite what they need. I I think he could, in the right system, could be a sort of a... I looked at him more like a Ryan Anderson type who could pick and pop and really shoot threes. Now, he's a little more athletic than Ryan Anderson was. But uh, I just... uh, I don't know if defensively he'd be the type of guy the Celtics would look at. But uh, I do like Jalen Smith if he's in the right situation. What do you know about Jalen Smith? Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that's going to, you know, stretch the uh, the defense for you. He's going to open things up. I mean, when you have a big that can get outside and, and you know, shoot threes, it's always going to be a plus because you're going to, you know, really open up the, the paint for, you know, people who want to drive in. And uh, they've got they've got some slashers, you know, on that team that, that can get to the rim. And, you know, when you add a guy like Jalen Smith who can open up the court even more, I mean – he could help, you know, but he's not the biggest center. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I could see a pick like this helping them out, but I would still rather go defensive than anything. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be uh, too much of a reach, though, at 14, whereas, uh, you know, Stewart or I, – I don't know where everybody sits on Precious. Uh, I really like him, so I would not be afraid to take him that early in the draft. But – um Interesting pick for the uh, Celtics there at 14. They seem to have a pretty well-rounded team, so I think big is definitely where they go, but uh, they're sort of into that weird spot where uh, I don't know what big they'd go with because the ones at the top are going to be gone, and then you have the ones that are sitting around there in the middle that are 
really more offensive based. And I, I don't know how much they need that. The next team I wanted to touch on was the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, uh, this roster is good, at, at least decent, you know, uh, for, you know, some of the teams we've talked about, you know, Detroit, Minnesota. Uh, we touched on the Bulls like last week where the rosters aren't great. Now, this roster is set up to be pretty good. Uh, Drew Holiday's probably going to be traded, but, um, you know, you'll get some value back there, and I, I think they'll, you know, start building towards the future. And uh, Stan Van Gundy uh, takes over as the coach. Uh, what are your thoughts on New Orleans? Are you looking for somebody specific that they could fit in there, a wing, a guard? Uh, I don't think they probably need any bigs, but uh, what were you looking at uh, Pelicans-wise? Uh, for the Pelicans, I, I think that they've got, like you said, they've got a solid team all around. They've got some solid pieces, you know, not not anything that's going to, you know, uh, uh, blow your mind, but they've got some solid uh, pieces that complement each other pretty well. But I think that they could probably use some uh, death at the wing position. And uh, there was a couple of guys that I was looking at. Um, the first one that came to mind was uh, uh, Aaron uh, Smith from Vanderbilt. Uh, just He's one of those guys that, like, uh, we just touched on with uh, – what's his name? Um, with uh, Smith. He's he's one of those guys that's going to stretch the uh, the, the court for you. He's going to open things up because he can hit three, and he's pretty accurate at hitting three. Uh, another guy I was looking at was uh, Patrick Williams, too. Um, he's, he's also a, another wing player that he can come out and help you out uh, right now. He's But he's more of a – like a – defensive playmaker than anything. Uh, so it's really your choice whether you want to go more defensive or offensive. Yeah, uh, I had three guys circled uh, for the uh, Pels here. Uh, one was Patrick Williams, who uh, if you've ever seen Patrick Williams' uh, body, that guy is built like a freaking tank. And uh, really, uh, if he he could be a elite-level defender, I think, in this league for a long time in the uh, sort of P.J. Tucker-like mold, where he's just a brick house, can guard multiple positions. And, uh, you know, his offense was not great at uh, Florida State, but, uh, you know, there were bits and pieces where you can see a sort of offensive IQ there. It's just uh, sort of... Shot-wise, he's not really a shot maker, but he does get in on those cuts. He can score, and uh, he's not really a shooter yet, but uh, he's so young, and uh, I think there could be some sort of growth there where he could grow into it, like a P.J. Tucker who, you know, is now a drop-down sort of uh, corner shooter. And uh, Aaron Naismith also uh, loved watching him at Vanderbilt. He... uh, took over sort of the lead scoring role there once uh, Scottie Pippen's son uh, went down. And uh, I just, uh, I think that would be a really good fit. Now, he's essentially the opposite of Patrick Williams, where he's just a pure scorer and uh, really could help them outstretch the field. That would also give him sort of some room to um, get off uh, J.J. Redick and try to get another asset for Redick. And uh, it might take up a little bit of the, the loss of Drew Holiday, who I think, probably will leave this year. Um, what do you know uh, of Patrick Williams? Do you think that would be a, a good fit, or do you think they need to go a little more uh, offensive-minded in a uh, Naismith there? I still think that they should go offensive. I think that it's going to help their team overall. It's going to help, uh, you know, take some of the pressure off some of those younger guys. And like you said, it gives you the ability to be able to shop certain people, uh, some veterans you have on that roster. Um you know, it helps JJ Reddick, who's not getting younger. Uh, it just, I, I think it makes the most sense, but I, I, I don't see anything wrong with taking a guy like Patrick Williams. Uh, you know, he's, he, he, like you said, he's built like a freaking tank, and that guy is going to get in front of some people and he's going to harass some people. And, you know, I think that he's going to make a, a, an impact defensively uh, pretty much right out of the gate. I, and he's got potential to become an elite defender. Yeah, and uh, I think the space that someone like Zion could open up could, you know, 
really help his game, uh, you know, mature offensively where people will help off of him. He won't have too much responsibility offensively. The other one I had uh, circled in the Pelicans territory. Now he's a lower on uh, a handful of uh, draft boards, but uh, Desmond Bain, the TCU wing. Now he's an older uh, player, but uh, I just really like him. He, he fits the sort of Malcolm Brogdon type mold. Uh, also watching him, I thought he was a little bit like Brandon Roy, not quite as good as Brandon Roy, but the same sort of, uh, you know, he's not super athletic, but he knows how to score. He knows how to shoot. And uh, I just sort of thought that would be a good fit uh, for the Pelicans there, uh, Desmond Bain. I really like him, and I, I think he's sort of a gem that somebody could grab onto late where you get a sort of a 17-point scorer type guy who's uh, pretty efficient, you know, in the uh, Kevin Martin type mold. Yeah, I mean, as far as Bain's concerned, I think that if you don't want to go completely offensive and you don't want to go completely defensive, I think he's a nice in-between pick. Uh, you know, he gives you a little bit of everything. Uh, there are a lot of things that uh, to keep in mind. You know, granted, it's not much older, but he is one of the older players in this draft. Uh, he's got some defensive potential. You know, he's not a great defensive player right now. Uh, he does have the ability to hit three-point shots, so that helps out a little bit. Uh, but he needs to improve uh, certain things like his ability to create space, to create his own shot. Uh, he's not really long as long as the other guys are, uh, especially for a wing. Uh, and uh, laterally, he doesn't move very fast, but he's still a solid, a solid pick, I think, especially, you know, based off their team needs. Uh, like I said, if you don't want to go completely defensive with uh, Williams or you don't want to go completely offensive, I think that this is a good sweet spot. Yeah, uh, this is where, uh, you know, somebody like New Orleans, they don't need a project, uh, which uh, someone like uh, Williams would be. Uh, Naismith probably be a little bit of a project, but, uh, you know, uh, Bain could probably come into the league right now and I think, you know, put up... 10 to 12 points a game pretty efficiently. So uh, it might be good for the Pelicans to sort of have somebody who's already ready to, you know, plug and play in there because uh, I'm assuming their goals with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy would be to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're looking to sort of tank and uh, build off of, uh, you know, another draft pick type season. No, yeah, I'm, I, I think you're completely... Uh... 100% on the mark there. All right. Uh, I wanted to move on to uh, sort of a team that has been sort of tanking and acquiring assets. And uh, from what I'm hearing, they're getting a little antsy there about uh, the young team. And it might be time to go to more of a veteran look. And uh, that's the Atlanta Hawks. They sit at six. Do you see where Atlanta should maybe draft one of these, another young player. I mean, their team is loaded with a bunch of young talent. Or if you were Atlanta, would you try to sort of trade this pick at a couple veterans and uh, make your push for the playoffs here? You know, the the Hawks, they're an interesting team. They have some nice pieces, uh, some nice young pieces too. Uh, they've got some pretty solid players, Trey Young, uh, John Collins, uh, Desmond. They've got, some, they've got some good guys. I think that if they could... You know, maybe make a trade for a marquee player, uh, maybe not obviously like a top elite player, but you know, someone who's going to help you out right now uh, and get you over that hump. Then you probably go ahead and, and trade away your picks. But you know, they're young enough that they could still draft a guy that's going to help them out in the long term, and they'd still be a solid team for uh, you know years to come. It really depends on which way they want to go, whether they want to you know go all in now or whether they want to save some of those chips for, you know, a couple of hands later. Yeah, uh, I was, I, I'm was i assuming they're probably going to at least try to pre package this and get some, uh, you know, more veteran talent. Uh, Draft-wise, uh, I don't know if Denny uh, would make it there, but uh, he's at least, I think, NBA ready where he could slide in there and be uh, productive. And the other one I was sort of looking at was uh, Devin Vassell, another sort of wing that they could plug in there. And uh, 
I think Vassell's probably ready to play. Now, I don't know if Vassell's ready to score at an NBA level, but uh, the Hawks sort of just need a veteran presence, so I don't even know if uh, any of these sort of role players would, uh, I don't know, fit their need because uh, I think they really sort of want to make the playoffs uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of it's going to depend on whether they want to go all in now or if they want to look to the future because they still have some good pieces that are still young enough that they can kind of uh, look towards the future and see something bright. Okay, I wanted to touch on a couple more guys here. Um, R.J. Hampton uh, also went the uh, Lamelo Ball route and went to uh New Zealand or Australia, I can't remember which league it was. I believe it's Australian League. New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand League, okay, yeah. uh, to play basketball. I, I've i watched some clips of him. There's talent there, but I don't know quite where it fits. I don't really know what kind of player he is. I, I saw a basketball player, but I, I don't know if he's a scorer. I don't know if he's a defender. I just see a really athletic wing-type player, but I don't know what he is, so I don't know where he sits in this draft. What are your thoughts on R.J. Hampton? To me, he's a wild card. Uh, He is one of those players that would really benefit from having a really, really good coach, someone who's going to sit him down and, you know, get him him, uh, to go through all the uh, fundamentals, not that he's he's really raw to me. Uh, you know, he's he got a lot of potential. There's a lot of upside. You know, the guy walks around with his head really high. He's he's really confident. But I feel like there's a lot of situations where you can see uh, some immaturity and some poor decision-making. Um, he needs to work on his defense. He needs to work on his playmaking. Uh, he doesn't always take the best shots. Uh, you know, he's not a really strong player for his size. Uh, he he can be hot at times and he can be cold at times. His consistency is always kind of on and off. Um, he needs to get a little bit better at pick and roll. He's got potential. He's shown some signs of it. Uh, but, you know, like I said, he's very athletic and, and he's definitely a basketball player. He's just, I think that he just needs a really good coach to settle him down and, you know, get him to focus on just building his game overall. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing with this is I just, you know, if he gets drafted, I think probably around the mid-20s, I'm assuming, you're probably going to a good team, and he's just not going to play there. He's not going to get minutes. Now they can send him to the G League, but, uh, you know, I think this guy just needs reps and playing time, and uh, if you're on a good team, he's nowhere near the level to, you know, play minutes for that kind of team. And then uh, if he, you know, bumps up here and I doubt he'll jump into the lottery, uh, you know, his raw tools might have somebody uh, get obsessed with him and he jumps in there. But on a bad team, I think, you know, sort of his immature type habits come out. So it's really hard for me to sort of grade this guy and what he's going to be because if he's on a good team, he doesn't play. And, he, you know, in five years, he you he withers away and he's playing over in Spain. And you're like, you remember that guy? And you're like, yeah, we talked about him for five minutes on a podcast. <laughs> and uh, if he, you know, goes to some terrible team, I just think, you know, it would be hard for him to sort of grow, grow into a, a role of a, competent NBA player. You know, uh, just watching his demeanor, it reminds me a lot of uh, like a Nick Young type of player. Uh, you know, he, he's he got a lot of, you know, talent, raw talent, and, you know, he's got potential and he's got ability. It's just it's not all there yet. He needs to take a step back and work on a lot of the basic things that are going to make him an overall better player. Um, not saying that he's not a good player, you know, I don't want people to, you know, misunderstand where I'm coming from. Uh, I just think that from a mental standpoint, he's not where he's not physically where he, where his head thinks he's at is what I feel. Yeah. Uh, I think there could be a good competent NBA player there. You know, I, I did some comps. I did Gerald green. I did Dante Exum. 
and you know, that's those are NBA players who have survived, but I don't think anybody would, you know, actively be like, yeah, those have been great careers. But I do think there's something there if he could find it and he gets the sort of right development situation. I just worry what happens when he's, you know, plugged on an NBA bench for, you know, 72 games and essentially playing two-minute junk minute burst every six days. See, but I'll tell you this. I feel that it would benefit him more to be on, you know, on main roster for a team with a good coach, even if he's getting one or two minutes of trash time. I, I think he benefits more from that than from being, you know, sent down to the G League because I think he's the type of player that'll quit. Yeah, that's and, and that's just what like I worry said, about. He'll, he'll end up, you know, playing overseas. And like you said, we'll we'll talk about him, about what could have been. And that's the only part that scares me about him. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I wanted to touch on a couple guys I think uh, have a chance to be, uh, I don't want to say sleepers, because a lot of these guys have played dominant college basketball for a while. But uh, guys I like who I think could be drafted and uh, have impact roles, you know, right now for an NBA team. And the first one I wanted to touch on was uh, Killian Tilly. Uh who, if it hadn't been for bad foot issues the last couple years at Gonzaga, he would be a lottery pick. He's a really, really smart player who, you know, can pick and pop and uh, has a little inside game, uh, smart defender, and a great uh, passer for a big like that. Uh, Really sort of like a shooting uh, Sabonis-type guy, uh, the other one I thought of uh, when I was watching him when he's healthy is uh, like a Robert Horry type. But um, the foot issues on someone that big uh, make me a little nervous. But uh, if he stays healthy, I, I think somebody could get a really, really nice player uh, late in the draft. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think that he's got a few things he's got to work on on the defensive end. I think that offensively he's you know pretty polished for a guy his size. Um Longevity is one of my biggest concerns with him. But overall, like you said, I still think that he's a, a solid player. Uh, and if someone takes a chance on him, I think that they'll be getting a solid player uh, who just needs to work on his defense a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he lasts that long, somebody like the Lakers, somebody like the Clippers. Oh, I, yes. You know, I think they could plug him in for 20 minutes a day, you know, run pick and roll with Davis, run pick and roll with James. And he's smart enough to where he can sort of fit into that mold and make plays, and he wouldn't be overwhelmed by uh, the situation there. But, uh, you know, foot issues, uh, very scary for any basketball player and probably even more so for someone who's, you know, 6'8 and above. You know, the uh, injury concerns with big men, to me, are kind of like a man owning a motorcycle. The less you use it, the better chance you have of it not getting hurt. Yes. I. <laughs> so, you know, the, him going to a team like the Lakers, which I would love to have him there, uh, I think shows a lot of uh, a lot of upside. Yeah. Uh, another one I wanted to touch on was uh, Malachi Flynn. Now, I really enjoyed watching him play for San Diego State. Uh, I've always been a bit of a San Diego State fan. Uh, so watching him play, I, I see a great sort of, uh, six-man-off-the-bench type guard here and uh, really sort of a, a playmaker that could uh, come in, run your team for uh, 15, 20 minutes, um, Alex Caruso-like, and uh, just uh, I think could really be a player in this league that you, you know, I want to have this guy on my team type player. Uh, what do you make of Malachi Flynn? I, I like him. I just, you know, to me he lacks a little bit of size. Uh, I, I like, I'd like for him to be a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit tall, a little bit longer, you know, but then again, I wish those kind of things for myself too. So uh, we don't always get what we want uh, and not to get away from uh, basketball, but just really quick. Do you happen, since you said you love uh, San Diego, uh, do you know which uh, great running back came out of there? Uh, which one? Falk? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. I uh, thought you yeah. might have been talking about like Ronnie Williams or something. Oh no, you know me. I'm 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 going to be talking about any, anything related with the Rams. So that's Marshall Falk. Anyways, uh, back to Malachi. I think that it, he's uh, he's a good pick and roll player. He's uh, he's really good at you know creating plays. He's a, he's good. He's so he's good. Not great at on ball defense. Um, my biggest concerns with him are, like I said, his size. Uh, he's because of his lack of size, he's going to have trouble finishing in traffic and finishing uh, through contact. But you know, he's still a solid player. He's exciting. He's quick. He's fast, uh, and he he can make some plays. Yeah, I do worry a little bit about the athleticism sort of uh, overwhelming him. I, I'm thinking maybe he might be one of those guys who's smart enough to use his body to, you know, create angles and lanes. But uh, he he's not very athletic, so he could also be one of these guys I, I end up telling you about in three years. Oh, yeah, he's dominating the Israeli league, so... Yeah, it's very potential. And if anyone were to know about who's dominating the Israeli league, it'd probably be you. So you'd be, I'll be like Saturday, uh, Malachi playing. You should yeah. watch him, and you'll be like, uh, "Yeah, I'll get right on that." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think it. Uh, I just I like his smarts, and you know, it's probably just a point guard to point guard thing. I like sort of small guards who are smart enough to run pick and rolls and know what to do with their body. So Malachi Flynn, I, I thought could be a nice fit for a, a team for a, a guard coming off the bench. Uh, the other one I wanted to touch on was uh, Jaheem Us Ramsey, uh, Texas Tech guy, scorer. Now, uh, he's a real wild card here. Uh, he's a shooter and uh, a a volume shooter, but uh, he, <laughs> if you watched him at Texas Tech, he really has the ability to fill it up. Uh, he was not like one of these uh, freshmen that were s- supposed to come in and be one and duns. They thought they were going to have some time, and he came in and was, you know, really able to fill it up for them. And uh, I just think that maybe like a off the bench type guy, a J.R. Smith type guy, you know, That's early a, in his career, I think you a, could. That- that's exactly who who I who I see in him. To be honest with you, continue. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're perfect. I I just you know it might take a, a couple years, but I can see a guy who could come in fearless. I mean, totally fearless to go in there and score, shoot, and uh, be one of those guys who thinks he's like as good as LeBron James, but uh, really is not. But uh, really could I, I just I like his scoring and. Uh, He's really rated uh, uh, sort of in the second half of the draft. And if I was sitting in the 20s with this type of draft, I think this guy would be somebody I'd rather reach for and miss than uh, take some guy who, you know, uh, let's say an R.J. Hampton type. I would rather have this guy who I know has one skill set and he can score. Now, before I touch on, uh, just for the record, I I was pronouncing his name Jamius. I, I I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I was saying Jamius. I think it's Jamias. Jamias Ramsey. I'm going to say Ramsey. I like the name Ramsey for a lot of different reasons. But uh, going back to Malachi Flynn real quick, do you see a little bit of Champ Chesterfield in him? I see a little bit of Champ Chesterfield in him. <laughs> it's possible. That's, that's, that's what I thought when I was looking at the tape. I was like, yeah, he reminds me of this guy I've seen, Champ Chesterfield. Though, to be uh, honest, I, I might have like been him. a little more athletic when I was in my 20s than him. So, uh, <laughs> Let's see. Okay, now go no back longer. to... No longer. I would fail every athleticism test. But uh, in the 20s, it, it was a good time. Uh, the 20s were a good time, buddy. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Let's, let's get back to this. Let's get back to Ramsey. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I saw when I was watching was uh, I, I saw J.R. Smith. You know, he's the type of guy who he he's a three he's a good three point shooter. He's a good outside shooter. He's got a good mid mid range game. You know, but he's also to me the type of player that even if he missed, now I'm not saying that he would because he's pretty proficient. But even if he were to miss ten shots in a row, I could see him still taking that eleventh shot. The guy walks around with a big you know uh, air of confidence in him, and which is good. You, you need guys that are confident. 
Uh, sometimes it's not a good thing, uh, like you've seen in the in in the case of J.R. Smith and in plenty of situations. Sometimes you can be a little too overconfident, so he needs to kind of get that in check. But he's he's got he's got a lot of offensive skills, man. You know, you're not drafting him to be a lockdown defender because that's not what he's going to bring to the table. But what he is going to bring to the table is the ability to uh, put up some shots and uh, you know get you some points, maybe coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh- would you take him in the twenties, or would it be too sort of a hit or miss there, where you possibly could have a guy who literally is the D League scoring champ for the next fifteen years? I mean, I, I can see, I, I could see him going in the top two. I personally don't like to take, uh, you know, players that are kind of one sided in the top twenty. Um, I would see him in the later rounds also, like in towards the end of the first round, maybe early second round. But, uh, you know, if someone does take him early in in the first 20 picks, I wouldn't blame him because the guy, you know what you're getting with him. You know, it's not a surprise. Uh, it's not he's, – he's kind of ready to contribute off the bench, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go to one more guy. And uh, speaking of seeing a, a little champ Chesterfield in them, we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go with Peyton Pritchard. Uh, similar to Malachi Flynn, uh, a little bit uh, I'd say uh, longer. Uh, I maybe a little less athletic if that's possible, but um, another guard I think uh, would be a nice sort of guard uh, off the bench who could run your offense for ten to fifteen minutes. Wouldn't hurt you too much. Um, it's shot. I thought was a little hit and miss. Now, uh, what do you make of Peyton? See, with him, and I just for the record, I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm just going off my personal perspective here. But the thing that scares me about him is he he almost looks like he's topped out as far as you know how much better he's going to get. I don't know how much better he can get. Uh, he's still a good player. He's solid. You know, he's uh, he's good at he's he's a good playmaker. He's good at three point shooting. He, he handled the ball pretty well. He's really strong for his size. Uh, he's a he's a smaller guard, but he's really strong. You know, he's not the quickest defensive player, especially like laterally. You know, and like I said, my biggest question mark is how much better can he get? Yeah, uh, I you know I. I think he has topped out. He sort of probably is what he is. There's probably not a whole lot of growth there, but uh, it was more so I saw him. He could come in. He'll be one of those guys that you sort of hate playing who will come in for 10 minutes and work his ass off and be, you know, in your chest full court. And uh, then he sits down and, uh, you know, watches the rest of the game. But, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, that's a useful tool uh, for, I mean, you saw it this year with the Lakers. Essentially, that's what Caruso did. He came in for 15, 20 minutes, picked up somebody full court, and, uh, you know, Caruso's a much more athletic type player. But, um, you know, that type of player, I think, works in the NBA more so. One who will just come in, know his role, give you effort and energy for 10 to 15 minutes. You won't drop off, you know, a cliff if he's in there for a, a small amount of time. No, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that, you know, you're pretty much uh, pretty much spot on there. He's he's not going to come in here and completely change everything for anyone, but, you know, he's a, he's a solid player. You know what you're getting with him. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Fred Van Fleet. Now, I don't know if he can reach that kind of level. Now, if he can get to where he can shoot like Fred Van Fleet, I think he sort of has all the same sort of uh, characteristics that uh, Van Fleet had. But uh, the shooting thing is where it is, where Van Fleet has turned himself into a, you know, knockdown type shooter. See, to me, if he can improve uh, defensively with his with his strength, I feel that he would help out a team a lot, a lot more. Um, just to kind of plug him in, you know, off the bench as a defensive anchor at the guard position, um, you know, to kind of slow down somebody. I, I like him if he can get better defensively. Yeah. All right. So uh, those were a couple sleepers we gave you. Uh, that probably does it for part two of our NBA draft. Uh, on Monday, we're going to do our NBA mock draft. 
We're going to alternate picks. Uh, we're going to give you, Mr. Achilles, the number one pick in the draft. So uh, see if you can find my draft sheet and we'll prepare for it. <laughs> So I know what I'm doing, and uh, Monday we'll have our mock draft uh, before uh, the real NBA draft takes place. And with the first pick in the NBA draft, the Timberwolves take Champ Chesterfield. Well, uh, that might be as good a pick as uh, LaMelo Ball. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's our show for this week. We'll see you next Monday on Know It All, Champ Chesterfield. And we're out.